Welcome to the sermon podcast of Southside Baptist Church, a body of Christ located in beautiful Norman Park, Georgia. We are so glad you chose to listen in today. It's our prayer you would find the message of Jesus Christ compelling and uplifting, and that your life would be changing continually from hearing the Word of God. If you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. And now for today's message. Jesus, on that glorious day. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Beth. That was... Uh, that was powerful this morning. I wasn't real sure how I was going to respond to that, but I know how God responded to that for me. So thank you for that. Turn with me this morning. Uh, oh, and by the way, let me uh, let me back up just a moment. Uh, normally, when I do a baby baby dedication, I let you know who the babies are. Uh, so uh, Adam Gomez uh, and Noah Gomez, Moses Gomez, and Francisco Gomez. Uh, were the boys there that we were dedicating this morning. So, just so you know, uh, you know, I thought about that. I'm like, well, I didn't even tell them who they were. So, uh, so just so you know, uh, just to make that uh, clarification there. So, turn with me to the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles, or however you want to uh, look at Acts. Acts chapter 9, be reading from verses 36 through uh, 43. Uh, this morning, 36 through 43. I've titled this message this, The Character the character of a Christ-Centered Woman. The Character of a Christ-Centered Woman. So if you found that passage, stand with me as we honor this morning the reading of God's infallible, holy, inspired uh, Word. Again, chapter uh, chapter 9 of, of Acts, reading starting in verse 36, be reading through verse 43. Luke writes this, he says, Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Verse 38, Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. Verse 40, but Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. Verse 42. And it became known throughout all Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. And he stayed, as Peter stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Father, we come to you at this time of our service, Lord. And we are praising you and worshiping you this morning, God. And I pray that that continue. And Lord, as we walk through this passage, we're going to see some characteristics of what a Christ-centered woman is, Lord. And I'm so thankful for the Christ-centered women that I've had in my life, Lord. And I know many others others are as well. And Father, as we do walk through this 
passage, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us understand that we too can be categorized as a Christ-centered individual, Lord, and these characteristics will apply to us as well. Father, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I was doing a little research in preparation for this message this morning, and I thought, you know what I would like to do? I'd like to search the internet and kind of See if I can find some things or some, you know, some polls or whatever. You know how they'll poll kids and they'll say, you know, who is your mom or what about your mom or what has your mom done for you? And and so I did that. And here's some of the things that that I come up with. What moms do. Moms go shopping. Okay. Moms give us baths. Moms cook. Moms put band-aids on our boo-boos. I know my mom's put many band-aids on my boo-boos. Moms cry at sad movies. Moms go to the grocery store. Well, that sounds obvious because moms cook, so moms know what they're going to cook. Moms clean the house. Moms make us laugh. Moms drive us places. Moms work to pay the bills. Moms read to us. Moms help us with homework. This is a good one. Moms try to take naps. Moms keep us safe. Moms love us unconditionally. And I also found this poem. It says, thank you for tucking me in. Picking me up and showing me how. Thank you for teaching me to do things on my own and believing in me when I try. Thank you for hugging me and loving me and doing special things to make me happy. And so we celebrate Mother's Day today. But the scripture this morning is going to speak more to not just moms, but it's going to speak to all women and all of us in general. And so the context of the passage is this is during Peter's ministry. The Holy Spirit has descended. You look back in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit has descended upon the church. The church has exploded. If you look back in the, in the first part of Acts, you'll see your first megachurch. When 3,000 souls were saved because of Peter's uh, proclamation of the gospel message. Peter and others had been filled with the Spirit, and they began to take the message of the gospel to the people. And in this account, Peter has an interaction with a woman named Dorcas, or Tabitha. Tabitha, she was a well-respected woman, as we're going to see. Tabitha was a follower of Jesus Christ, as we'll see as well. But Tabitha has passed away. And her passing had left a huge impact on the community. But it was not on her passing that we're going to focus on this morning, but on the life that Dorcas led. That, that Dorcas led or lived a life that found its center in Christ. Found its center in Jesus Christ. And so we all, too, need to live lives that have its center in Jesus Christ. Because you need to understand, what your center is, is what the rest of you is going to be. So if your center is the world then you're going to live a worldly life. If your center is Jesus Christ, then you're going to live a Christ-centered life. So we're going to see three characteristics this morning that represent a Christ-centered woman. And again, these characteristics are going to be universal. And so they're going to apply to all women. 
But they're also going to apply to us men as well. And so but they're going to be particular to Dorcas uh, this morning. So number one, if you have your bulletin, you can follow along. There's an outline in your bulletin. Number one, the first characteristic of this Christ-centered woman is a Christ-centered woman finds her identity in Christ. She finds her identity in Jesus Christ. Look at the first part of verse 36. Now there was a in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. It's no coincidence that the first thing that's introduced here, the first thing that's mentioned about this lady, Dorcas, is that she was a disciple. Luke identifies her as a disciple. He's specific there. A disciple is a follower or a learner. Dorcas was a female disciple. She was a Christian woman. She was a follower of Jesus Christ. And everything that she did flowed from what she was. She was a disciple, a disciple of Jesus. And the reality of it is, and the reality of it for Tabitha or Dorcas, I want to refer to her as Tabitha because I don't like, I don't know about the word Dorcas there, but uh, I like Tabitha better. So we're going to refer to her as Tabitha as we walk through this passage. But think about this. If Tabitha lost everything, she would still be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so we too, if, if we are a follower of Christ, if we are a Christian, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, if we lose everything, material things, our health and all those other things, we still are a follower of Jesus Christ. You do not lose that. And so Tabitha was a disciple. She found her purpose in Jesus because her identity was wrapped up not in who we are, but in whose she was. She was Christ. She was a disciple. And what followed was a natural outflow of her being a disciple of Jesus. The rest of verse 36 there says she was full of good works and acts of charity. This was the visual evidence of Tabitha being a disciple of Jesus Christ. In other words, Tabitha was a disciple. She just didn't claim to be a disciple in word. She showed it in deed. Yes, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. And let me show you how I'm a disciple. She began to help others. This was a natural outflow. Those good works that, that the Bible talks about. The fruit that we produce. Tabitha produced good fruit. Full there means abounding in. Tabitha was abounding. She was she abounded in good works. She abounded in benevolence. She uh, her her good works were profitable. She also did acts of charity. That means she donated to the poor. She gave alms to the poor. The Christian standard translation says she was always doing good works and acts of charity. Tabitha was. New American Standard says this woman was excelling in acts of kindness and charity, which she did habitually. In other words, it was her habit to do these good works. It was her habit to do these acts of charity. And that habit came from her, her purpose, came from her out, her out identity. A disciple of Jesus Christ. The New Living Translation says she was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. 
I don't want us to get caught up in the acts that she was doing. The acts are important. The things that she was doing were great. But what we need to focus on is her mindset. Tabitha's mindset or her lifestyle. Her lifestyle was that of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see the picture here? Everything that she did was an outpouring of her identity. Her identity that she found in Jesus Christ. That was her identity. She was a follower of Christ. And it was her lifestyle. Directly resulted uh, in the way she lived and resulted from her purpose. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ. She was devoted to Christ. Her lifestyle was a direct result of her identity. Which was found in Jesus Christ. You know, we look for our identity in all sorts of different places. I remember I was a firefighter, most of you know, for 20 years. In those 20 years, my identity was a firefighter. I was a firefighter for the Ashland Fire Department. When people saw me, they knew that. But when I retired, I was no longer a firefighter for the Ashland Fire Department. So if I found my identity in that... Or if I found my identity in anything else other than being a disciple of Jesus Christ, that would have been lost. Because now that I'm not a firefighter, okay, what am I? Who am I? But since my identity was found in Christ, then because I wasn't a firefighter, because you're not what you are or whatever it is, I didn't have to worry about that because my identity was wrapped up in Jesus. It wasn't wrapped up in the Ashland Fire Department. And so Tabitha, her life was wrapped up, her, her purpose, her identity was wrapped up in Jesus Christ. And all these things that she was doing was an outpouring of that identity. A Christ-centered woman finds her identity in Christ. So I hope this morning that each of you find your identity in Jesus Christ, regardless of what you do, regardless of the profession that you live, regardless of the acts that you do, your identity needs to be found in Christ. There's a second characteristic we see of this woman this morning. A Christ-centered woman is a witness to others. Look at verse 37. In those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Apparently Tabitha had gotten sick. She had gotten sick and to the point of, of, of dying. She had passed away. We don't know what she died of. We don't know what she was ill of. But we know that she eventually died and they had prepared her body for burial. And they had placed her in an upper room. But I want us to focus on two aspects of her witness in this passage. The first one begins there in verses 38 and 39. The impact of her witness. The impact of her witness. Verse 38 39 say this, since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us. Uh, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. Notice after she passed, the crowds gathered. They gathered to mourn the loss of this woman, this disciple of, of Jesus Christ, this one who found her, her purpose in Jesus. But it also shows that about her witness. She was much loved in the community of Joppa. So they were devastated at her passing. They were heartbroken at her passing. She meant so much to so many people. 
The Bible says that when they showed up and when the widows stood beside them weeping, they were showing their tunics that she had made. They were showing all the things that, that, that Tabitha had done for them, the, the things that she had given to the poor, and the things that she had given to the widow. Maybe Tabitha was a widow. We don't know anything about Tabitha except for what we read in this passage. But what we do know is those widows were blessed by this Christ-centered woman. They were blessed. The poor were blessed by this woman. And if you remember anything about widows, widows in the first century, they were a very vulnerable group. They were dependent completely on their spouse or their family. And if they didn't have either one of those, they were vulnerable. They were just left to, to, to fend for themselves, and that wasn't a good thing. But her witness was so impactful on so many, they couldn't believe that she was gone, and they were mourning the loss Of this disciple of Jesus Christ. What a witness. What a witness. Her impact was such that these folks, whenever she passed away, they thought, oh, Dorcas, she's gone. Tabitha is gone. She's no longer going to be be here. We're going to miss her so much. This woman of God, this Christ-centered woman. And I imagine there was some there that were just thinking about what Tabitha had done for them and the gifts that she had made and the things that she had done. But I would imagine many of those folks understood that the reason she did what she did, and we'll see this in a moment, was because she was the disciple of Jesus Christ. She wanted to help because she was the disciple of Jesus Christ. She found her identity in Christ. So they had sent to Peter. You know, Peter had been filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter had been doing wonderful things. And so they send to Peter, thinking that maybe Peter could do something. Maybe Peter can come and maybe Peter can, some sort of miracle would happen and Peter would raise this wonderful woman back to health. So they call to Peter. For the sake of the widows and the poor in Joppa, Peter finds his way There He makes haste and goes to the city there. He's not sure what he's going to do when he gets there. He's not sure what he's going to find when he gets there, but he goes. Because these folks were really distraught about the loss of this wonderful woman, Tabitha. So that's the value or the the impact of her witness. You know, I wonder oftentimes about my own witness. What kind of impact will my witness leave when I'm gone? Will people remember me for uh, what I do? Will people remember me because I was a preacher? Will people remember me because I was a good dad and a good husband and a good friend and all those other things? Or will people remember me because, man, what a disciple of Jesus Christ he was. What a disciple. What a follower of Christ. Man, he found his identity in Jesus. And everything that he did, you could tell, was an outpouring of that identity. Wow, what a witness. What a witness this woman had. But notice also the value of her witness. The value of her witness. Look at verses 41 and 42. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. 
Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he, Peter, stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. The crowd had gathered. They had gathered, hoping that Peter would be able to raise Tabitha from the dead. And when it happened, notice what happens. The news spreads throughout Joppa. It wasn't on Facebook. It wasn't on Twitter and all those other things. But can you imagine if they had that? But the news had spread. Come and see this wonderful miracle. Come and see Tabitha. She's been raised from the dead. But it wasn't that Tabitha had been raised from the dead. That was the value of all of this. Because her resurrection was simply temporary. Just like Lazarus. Lazarus would eventually die again. So it wasn't that value. It wasn't the value that her resurrection uh, created. Or that she was raised from the dead. The value was for those who witnessed her being raised up. The Bible says they raised her up. It's the same word used throughout the New Testament for Jesus' resurrection. And you remember, Christian, the value of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It means everything for us. And so the value wasn't necessarily found in Tabitha Herself being resurrected, but it was in that resurrection. It reminds us of the promise of the resurrection of Christ that each and every one of us have. But there's also value for the kingdom of God. And it says, and it became known throughout all Joppa. And what what is what does Luke say? And many believed in who? Tabitha? Peter? No, the Lord. Many believed in the Lord because they knew what Peter was doing was from the Lord. They knew that the miracles he was doing, the power of his preaching was because of the Lord. And many believed in the Lord because of the resurrection of Tabitha. Many came to be just like Tabitha. Many became to be disciples of Jesus. Disciples of Christ. Because of The witness of this individual because of the resurrection of this individual, because of the value that it brought to the kingdom of God. This was a witness to the very power of God. All brought about by this disciple of Jesus Christ, this wonderful woman that had had such an impact on so many people. So we think about the ultimate value of that. Think about our witness. Think about your witness. Think about my witness. The ultimate value of that is for people to see the kingdom of God in and through us. And through our witness. It should be our number one goal that when people see us, they see nothing but Jesus Christ. They see through my inadequacies. And they see Jesus. And they see Jesus through you as well. And when we do that, when we, our witness is is that of a disciple of Christ, and people see Jesus and they don't see anything else, God gets the glory. God gets the glory. But there's also kingdom benefit. When people see Jesus through us, they're wondering to themselves, man, what does he have? Or what does she have? I want what they have. 
I want what they have. Maybe that's some of that righteous jealousy. We want people to want what we have. Not our possessions. Not our wealth. Not our jobs. Not any of those things. But Jesus. We want people to want what we have. We want souls to be saved because of our witness. We want relationships to be restored because of our witness. And the number one relationship that we want to be restored is the relationship of that individual with Almighty God. I think about my grandmothers. My grandmothers, both my grandmother Bear and my grandmother Stevens, they were the spiritual rocks of our family. They were the spiritual rocks of our family. And I remember countless times when I would go to my grandmother Stephen's house and always laying out there was an open Bible. Always. And that Bible was littered with all sorts of, 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 of writings and underlinings and all these other things. And what was wonderful about a lot of that books, I found notebooks. Notebooks full of her prayers. And many of those prayers centered around me and I understand why. I get it. All right. It's not lost on me. And we'll talk about that when I see her in heaven. But I think back on those moments and in my grandmother bear and, and, and just the godly witness that those women Showed not only to me, but just to everybody that knew them, their church family, their friends, and 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 my, my grandmother Bear. She lived in a in a, in a high rise housing place there in Ashton, and 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 she, her witness was just overwhelming down there with those other, other other folks who lived there. And so I thought to myself as I was preparing this message, I want people to see the same thing in me as I saw in them. And it was Jesus. It was Jesus. And so I pray your prayer. I, hope, I pray that, that you too, that, that when people see you, they don't see uh, who you are. They don't see anything other than Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.31, Paul writes this, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do what? All for the glory of God. God is our witness. A witness of one. And finally this morning, there's one final characteristic I want us to notice about this Christ-centered woman. A Christ-centered woman finds her hope. Finds her hope in the resurrection. Look at verse forty. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up and going to verse 41. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. Notice Peter's first, the first thing that Peter does. He gets on his knees and he prays. He gets on his knees and his praise because we can learn something for Peter from this too. Peter knew that his power and his strength wasn't in himself. It was in the God that lived in him. And may I remind you this morning, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the same presence and the same power that's in the, that was in the apostle Peter 
is the same presence and power that's in you. Or raise people from the dead, not likely. But I'll tell you this. We can bring life back into people's lives just by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Telling them how much God loves them. And we do that through the power and the presence of God. But Peter knelt down and he prayed. He didn't know what was going to happen here. He didn't know if God was going to raise Tabitha back from the dead. But he just knelt and prayed. He knew that God could do it. He knew also that Tabitha was dead. And he sought the presence and the guidance of the Lord. And he says, Tabitha, arise. I wonder at that particular point in time when Peter said, Tabitha, arise. I wonder if he's thinking, oh, here we go. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Same thing as similar to Jesus raising Darius' daughter. But there's some key considerations I want us to consider this morning. This is proof of the full and the glorious and the unrestrained power of God. God is the only one who can save. And so we see the power of God. We see the glorious, unrestrained power of God in this particular instance. Peter was used by God. God worked in and through Peter to raise Tabitha from the dead. And I often wonder, particularly of myself, man, what can God do in and through me? What can God do in and through you? So being a disciple of Jesus, Tabitha would have found hope also in that resurrection. Now, she didn't know that she was going to be resurrected at that time. She knew there was going to be a future resurrection, as will be with us as well. And so this resurrection of Christ, it made eternal life with God possible. And Tabitha rested in that hope. She knew that one day she would be resurrected. She knew that one day she would be brought back to life. But she probably didn't understand it would have been this soon. And this again, this was just temporary. She was going to die physically once again. This was just one of those moments where God displayed his power once again and his glory. This became Known to all of Joppa. There were people in Joppa that still needed the help of Tabitha. Her resurrection would fill that huge void that had been created by her death. But it also brought the body of Christ together. It brought the body of Jesus together. Oftentimes there's no greater thing that can bring the body of Christ together than to see the miracles of God. Annie Walker Armstrong was born in Baltimore, Maryland in 1850. She was raised by her mother after her father's death when Annie was two years old. The five Armstrong children were active in church and learned about their mother's Christian faith. Annie's early teenage years saw the Civil War cause division among the population of Baltimore and in her church congregation. One Sunday during the war, Annie's pastor told the congregation, the religion of Jesus Christ gives peace in the midst of trouble, as it does today. In her widowed mother, wanting this peace for herself, this kind of peace, she saw in her widowed mother, Annie trusted Jesus as her Savior that day. 
Through her mother's work supporting foreign missions, Annie developed her own desire to raise money to send missionaries around the world. But when she was 30, Annie heard a presentation about home missions. Previously, she had focused solely on supporting missions work in foreign countries. But as she heard about the work among Native Americans who had been forced into poverty on reservations, Annie had a strong desire to help them. She worked to form a home mission society to raise money and build a school for children in what would become the state of Oklahoma. As the work grew, so did the need for a unified organization. Annie was elected the first president of the new Women's Baptist Home Mission Society of Maryland. The society's work included supporting missionaries and efforts in foreign countries and the American frontier and in their own city in Baltimore. Annie had a heart to meet both physical and spiritual needs. Eventually, Annie's work grew into the Southern Baptist Women's Mission Missionary Union, WMU. Although she and the other female leaders uh, faced opposition from some of the men in the Southern Baptist uh, uh, leadership, 30 years before the 19th Amendment granted women the right to vote, it was an uphill battle to get support for their organization, but Annie felt strongly that Southern Baptist women would best be able to help the mission effort of their churches through their own organization. She believed their work was a, a force a foreordained of God. Annie died in 1938 at the age of 88. Her pastor described her as a dreamer in action, one who dreamed her dreams and then made her dreams come true. She didn't see herself as anything special. She just knew God had given her the strength to get things done to the best of her ability. Annie Armstrong worked tirelessly and faithfully all the way to her death. Annie Armstrong's identity was found in Christ. And her witness can still be seen today. In fact, we just took up an offering for the offering that's named after her, and her hope was found in the resurrection. Annie Armstrong is a picture of this Christ-centered woman. First Peter 1 threes. Peter writes this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from So as we close, let me give you a few application points to consider. First, let me ask you this. Where do you find your identity? Where do you, Christian, find your identity? Is your identity Christ-centered or is it world-centered? Well, let me remind you of this. Look at your actions and look at the fruit that you bear and you'll understand where your identity is is found, whether it's found in Jesus or whether it's found in the world. If you're not Christ-centered, let me suggest that you turn to Him today. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I can tell you where your sinner is. It's a world sinner. So if you've not found Jesus as personal Lord and Savior, let me encourage you to do that today. Number two, what kind of witness do you have? When people see you, do they see Jesus? When people see you, do they say, man, I want what that person has? 
Number three, where do you find hope? If you're a Christian this morning, you can find hope in the resurrection because there's victory in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Where do you find hope this morning? Well, it really depends on where your center is, where your identity is. If you're Christ-centered, then you should find hope in the resurrection. If you're worldly-centered, then your hope is going to be in the world, in the government, in all those things of the world's system. Moms, we celebrate you today. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your love. And we thank you for your devotion. There's no greater joy for a family than to have a Christ-centered mom. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening today. We hope the word preached today would be used by God mightily as you go about your week. Again, if you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. Have a blessed day and may God grant you grace this week to grow more into the likeness of Jesus. Thank you.